Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekends were made for sports. How would you like to play for the New England Patriots? I'd love to. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Look at this room. What a beautiful room. Have you seen this room? Yes, we're in it. And Rashad Taylor. Okay, dude, I can see you don't want to be cheered up here. Come on, Donnie, let's go get us a lamp. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Hour 2 of 2 here on Sports Sunday. Mike Lynch, Rashad Taylor with you. Jesse Osmond here as well till 11 o'clock. Talking the Blazers' loss to the Pelicans last night. 97-95, game one of the first round of the playoffs. I have one or two more notes I want to get to before we move on from this game completely. Uh, text line 55305, by the way. There's also a Facebook post up on facebook.com slash 1080thefan if you want to comment there. Shabazz Napier needs to see the floor less. That's one point I have. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, everybody just had a, a, a no, terrible no, 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 game. No. Shabazz has not been able to shoot past. Shabazz has been very good at times this year, and this is not necessarily a slight at him being a bad player, but lately he cannot hit a shot to save his life, and he's a good three-point shooter, and he's he's whiffing hard on his threes. He is playing incredibly selfish basketball, more so than you can blame Damian Lillard for going a little too isolation when the game is late, and, and that's fine. But you also got to understand that he's the best player on the team, and he has a little bit of a right to be a little more isolation at that point because he's proven he can win that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Shabazz Napier came in the game in the second quarter. First of all, Wade Baldwin was the first guard off the bench and then stopped seeing playing time. So I don't know why they, they switched completely to Shabazz. I'm not sure exactly what the point of that was. Wade Ballins been playing great defense lately, so if keep him on the floor for six fouls. You got him. <laughs> Use him. Um, but he kept Shabazz in the game, and he made some of the most questionable drives without passing the ball that made me want to pull my hair out. He's a guy who, when he's his best, is facilitating the offense. He is a point guard. He is a point guard. That's his position. He's, a, he's more of a scoring guard, but he is a point guard. He played point guard at UConn. And that's been at his when he's at his best for the Blazers, he is facilitating the offense. He's passing the ball. He's driving and passing, not driving and going up against three people and getting the ball swatted or missing a layup really, really badly. I don't know what on earth is going on with his game right now, but I want to see less Shabazz and I want to see more Wade Baldwin because I just I don't think Shabazz Napier is doing what he does best right now. I don't know why. I don't know what's gotten into him, but he's not. He's not playing the basketball that makes him the most effective for the Blazers right now. No, I just think he's been in a, a little bit of a slump, but even still, uh, still been consistent. Like Shabazz, for as bad as he's been, um, at least in your eyes, he hasn't doesn't really turn the ball over a whole lot. You know, he had three straight games uh, recently where he just 
he didn't cough it up. You know, he had one turnover against the against the Rockets when the Blazers lost by two. He had three last and night. And then he had three last night. But before the three games before that, he had zero turnovers in each of those games. But sometimes bad shots are 14. Yeah, bad, shot, bad shots can, can be bad, but uh, or are clearly bad. But, I mean, I just don't know if he, he – he doesn't really play enough to, to really, I guess, affect the outcome for me. You know, about 14 minutes a game, you know, somewhere around there. So, But when he comes in – you know, usually a quick six to to eight points, sometimes nine points. I'll 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 take that real fast. Shabazz is a defensive irritant. That's what he does. I don't really care about He's what he terrible on defense. Are you kidding me? No, he he at a point, man, he was actually the best defender on on the team as far as the guards go. Dame, CJ, man, Shabazz was the guy we talked about last it on night. The show. He was last atrocious. night. No, he's not. That's not. Yeah, but I think Drew Holiday was making a lot of people look JV last night, and. You know, he was kind of one of them. But at a point, man, he was one of the guys that would get in there and make things happen without actually having to score. And I think that's really the player that Shabazz has been, really kind of needs to develop and become. But he's somebody I don't really look to him. This is there's there's so many there's so much blame I can put on people from a team. I think Shabazz would probably be the one of the last people it's from a, the team that caught a lot of that's it. That's why like, I, I saved it for so late. It was kind of my last thought. Yeah, I just he has not been playing well. And I don't think he the should team, be getting the minutes that... I don't think anybody's been playing well, to be fair. I mean... Recently, yeah, they're shooting yeah. poorly, until, except for the Jazz game. We all thought that Jazz game was going to be the reawakening, and it was not yet. Yeah, At least womp, not, womp. not yet. Uh, and then my final thought, which you, you you brought it up. I actually mentioned this off the air, not on the air, but Mo Harkless is so important uh, to this team. You miss him right now. And that's that's... Evan Turner played really well last night. He did. But... Evan Turner does not fit with the starting lineup of this team. Evan Turner's offense is predicated on isolation basketball, on post-ups on the inside, and is his weird little like fadeaway awkward jumper that goes in all, all the time from that position. He's really good at doing that, um, and he's a he's a fine defender. But Mo Harkless is way more athletic. He's a better defender, and he's a better three-point shooter by light years. Please, Evan Turner, I know you, you're trying to replace Mo Harkless's three, and I know you hit one or two yesterday, but please stop. It, you, you brick him so bad sometimes. Unless you're pulling up for that corner three, I don't want him taking any. Even in the corner, I'm like, geez, you know, please stop. You, you know, Evan Turner was initially drafted because he was a, a considered a big point guard. You know, it's a six-foot-six uh, guard out of Ohio State that can take it coast-to-coast, coast, can back his guy down, and that's really still essentially who Evan Turner is. Even mm. when he was averaging 17 in Philadelphia and in Indiana. Um, Indiana, you know, that's just kind of the player he is. He's a big kind of almost almost a bruiser, you know, as it comes to getting buckets. So that's right. where that's where his game is. So I think I kind of Jesse and I were talking, you know, and sometimes he can be a bit of a a black hole, you know, uh, because he's backing someone down. I think at times you're going to need somebody to slow it down and be able to just get you an easy bucket. I, that's I, what he can do. I agree. I like Evan Turner's game off the bench. Yeah, I agree. And that's the biggest difference is with Mo Harkless on the floor, Mo Harkless can also do that, by the way. He he has been posted up many times this season. But with Mo Harkless on the floor, it's another shooter for the other team to worry about. It's probably their more consistent three-point shooter of him, Turner, and Aminu is Harkless, especially when he was hot during the win streak. But he, he his corner three is nasty. He hits almost all of them. Um, and it forces another threat. That means you can't just double Dame or CJ every single time down the floor. Plus, he cuts better. Plus, he defends better. Hmm. So... As as funny as it is to say, as much as we ragged on Mo Harkless and he lost his playing time earlier in the year, 
He is a vital part of this team and may very well be the X factor of this team in the playoffs. And they said that he may return this week, which could mean game two. That would be great. Or game three. And that is going to be such a boon for this Blazers team as long as he is healthy fully and can be as athletic as he normally is. Because in the Blazers' win streak, the the biggest reason why, in my opinion, the Blazers kept winning all those games that were close is because Mohawk has been a difference every game. So we'd be remiss if we did, ooh, good finish by the by the rookie, Jason Tatum. Uh, we'd be crazy not to mention uh, some, some blame for Terry Stotts. What was he thinking with 26 seconds left in the game uh, you drop two plays, one of which had the ball go to Pat Connaughton. And one of which had the ball go to Myers Leonard. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out, you had 26 seconds left. Now, I understand they were keying in on Dame and CJ. And you and were I, down three of them. And I understood why Myers was in the game, especially if you were talking about spreading the ball out, maybe putting your three-point shooters in the game. Okay, I I'm actually, good with Myers taking that shot. I actually shot. liked that they put Myers in the game. I just didn't like that they gave him the ball. Because, like I said earlier in the show, but if you missed it, the reason, in my opinion, they put Pat Connaughton and Myers Leonard in the game is because they wanted everybody on the floor to be able to shoot the three. Yeah. Because they were down by three, they needed a three, and they wanted to be able to, I'm assuming the plan was to get Dame or CJ the ball and give them a open chance because the the Pelicans would have to guard Connaughton or they would have to guard uh, Myers Leonard at the three-point line if they got the ball. This doesn't rewind, by the way. Rats. Um, that's why they did it. I liked the strategy. I didn't like that there was even an option to give Myers or Pat the ball because what, what Stott said at the end of the game was he said that was the last option was Pat Connaughton. That was the last option, and that was the only option they got because the Pelicans were playing really good defense. Um, don't even make it an option then. Get the ball to Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum because you want them to be able to hit that shot to tie the game at that point. Yeah. And I just I just need to need more answers about why the third favorite player or third favorite, excuse me, third best player on the Blazers isn't on the floor for the most of the game. I just need answers. And I ain't got the answer, Sway. And so come on, stats. And that's I, I, been how it's been for the whole year. Yeah, but this is the this is the playoffs and you might not get tomorrow. Well, this time, in this case, you'll get three tomorrows. But <laughs> you don't know if you're gonna get that opportunity. So uh, I'd like to see Nurkic on the floor more, please. This texter says maybe with Shabazz, he thinks he needs to step up more with the Mo Harkless injury and is taking more ill-advised shots with the pressure of trying to hit the same threes that Harkless can hit or or make some of the same cuts. Maybe. Just stop. Let everyone else do that for you, Shabazz. Just pass the ball. Be a facilitator. Get into the lane and pass it. Do what you do best. Stop trying to force it, please. All right. That's all the all I had on the Blazers. Did you have anything else you wanted to bring up? Uh, play better in game two. Game two Tuesday. Play if better. you win game two, it makes it feel a lot better. Uh, I know you lost home court, but you can win a game in New Orleans if you win game two. Play Don't better. give up, though, Blazer fans. You're still in it. We're still one in it. One game. It's one, one game. game in a seven-game series. None of this – by the way, I, I want to reiterate all of this. None of this of the negatives of the game is a sky-is-falling thing from us, at least. Uh, my take on the game was, holy crap, you should have won the game when you had the worst game possible from Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. You had four chances with under a minute to win the game when you had the worst possible game. I'm, I'm looking at it in a half, glass half full. I'm looking at it in a positive light. That's that's the way I'm, I'm looking at that game. If you win game two, if you play better, if you learn from some of the mistakes, or you learn from some of the defensive strategy of the Pelicans, then you feel much better. None of us thought this was a four or five game series. This, this series is going six or seven games. The West is tough. No matter who you played, it was going to go deep, I thought. Mm -hmm. um, so one loss is not the end of the world. I know it's painful because it was game one and it was at home and all that. I get it, but it's not the end of the world. Bleep happens, right? Bleep does happen. 
Coming up next, Des Bryant cut by the Cowboys. Rashad's pissed. He's not pissed. I'm just, it's just, it's just weird. Rashad's passionate. There it is. I think it's the right move. This is Sports Sunday on the fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 10:23 are here on your Sunday morning. First hour and 23 minutes spent on the Blazers. Man, it's hot button right now. Man. It this is. A, it was a it was a cultural event last night. You know, this is it was basically a, a, an Oregon holiday. Everyone was a little happier yesterday pre pre game. No, seriously. <laughs> I know, I know. I went to the barbershop. And then a lot angrier post game. Yeah, I went to the barbershop right before the game started, and literally every dude in there was wearing a blazer, something, hat, jacket, sweatshirt. Like every the 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 city felt really, really good about what was happening. And that's that's the, the cool part about our team making the playoffs is this city is just so much cooler when the Blazers are good. That's just what it is. Well, yeah, I mean the Blazers have made the playoffs what five years in a row now, but or four years in a row, but. When they're the three seed, there's a different vibe. You know you're not about to get swept by the Warriors in the yeah. first round. Uh, you're going to hopefully beat the Pelicans in this series despite losing in game one. But switching off the Blazers here as uh, we only have a couple of segments left and want to get a little – some other sportsy sports in there. Um, I wasn't going to talk about this today, but Rashad came in guns a-blazing about – basically, I'll let you say it, Rashad. What, what, what was it that you said to me when you walked into this room today about – Des Bryant in the receiver position in general. So I was listening to uh, the radio, you know, on the way in, as I usually do. And um, I heard, like, every pundit, every reporter, um, every media personality it feels really, really, I guess, strongly about Des and the fact that, you know, kind of like, man, good riddance. You know, the, the, he was the problem with the Cowboys. And I guess my question was, well, why is it always the receiver's fault when things go wrong for these franchises? Like the the scapegoat seems to be the flamboyant receiver every time. So the Cowboys uh, had a, a a falling out basically. Like they weren't as good as they were last year when they went fifteen and two, or what was it, fourteen and two, or whatever the case was last year. Um, this year came out flat. The uh, people kind of figured out. Um, Dak Prescott, they didn't have Ezekiel Elliott, who's not without his own controversy all the time, but nobody ever seems to really, that doesn't bother a lot of people in the Cowboys organization. Here's a dude in Des Bryant, who during a down year, and I'm using the, the quote fingers right now, uh, still led the team in receiving yards, still led the team in receptions, uh, was second in the team as, as far as receiving uh, touchdowns this season. He was 170 yards away, 162 yards to be specific, away from having another 1,000-yard season with captain check down uh, Dak Prescott. Now, mind you, he's not quite Alex Smith as far as how he checks down, but he does it quite often. Is everybody forgetting that, man, he had uh, like 1,300 yards a year when he had Tony Romo? And everyone keeps saying, oh, we can't separate. He can't separate. Well, Dez has never been – a T.O. or Larry Fitzgerald as far as having creating separation. Like, that's never been his game. He is a possession receiver if I've ever seen one. That's his role. That's always been who he is. So my question is, why is when things fall apart for these franchises, it's it's easy to pick on the receiver. Like, it's it's been easy to poke at Odell Beckham for how bad things have been in New York. And I'm like, he's the one that you're blaming? 
Like the guy that before he got hurt was nothing but 13 touchdowns a year and over 1,000 yards. That's the guy that you want to blame for everything going wrong. And now that things have gone wrong in Dallas, it seems like Dez is the one. Now, now mind you, for the money that he was asking for, probably not. Okay, you want more money than, than you're asking for. You're 29, about to be 30. I get it. That if they just said all that, man, man, cool. Make a business decision for your franchise. But it's usually like, oh, he's a locker room cancer. He's Nobody likes him. Well, point out the teammate that said they don't like Dez Bryant or the teammate that said they didn't like T.O. or the one that said Randy Moss was an a-hole. Like, you don't find those dudes because I'm a lot sure of, they exist. I'm sure they exist, but I'm, uh, if, if somebody was that big a jerk, you know about it. We know how big a jerk Richie Incognito is, and he just retired this year after no – you know, repercussions from any of the bullying or any of the jerk stuff that he's done throughout his career. But that's all good. And mind you, Cognito's not catching any touchdowns, so nobody really cares. Um, it's just weird to me. The, like, the way I look at it is, you're right, you shouldn't be blaming the receiver for the problems of a team. I I'd certainly never have. So, I, I, frankly, I haven't heard it very much. I know receivers tend to be more of a hot-button position, mm -hmm. a more scrutinized position due to the personalities of wide receivers tending to be a little bit more... I don't know what the right word is. Maybe extreme. Just they they are more outspoken. They say more. They're a little bit crazier. It's just kind of the personality, the position. Same kind of goes for cornerbacks. They kind of have the same personality as receivers. But the, the blame should never be on, on, on one player for a team's downfall or anything like that. But in terms of Des Bryant, in, in my opinion, I think cutting him was the right decision. Mm -hmm. He was not effective anymore. He, he, he Sure, he may have been the leading receiver last year, but watching him... And see, he's not the Des Bryant of old. Maybe some of that is Dak Prescott. Maybe, um, but who are you gonna? Who are you going to build your team around? Your aging receiver who hasn't been good for three years, or your budding young quarterback who has proven that he can win games for you, um, fairly consistently as as the Cowboys. You're gonna build around the quarterback who's younger, and you're gonna find receivers who fit his style of passing more. If if it is Dak Prescott, even with that, that decision I think is is warranted. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm not blaming the Cowboys for cutting him just because, man, I understand he's older. He wants more money than, you know, every team is kind of going into this New England Patriots style, Philadelphia Eagles style of doing stuff and signing guys for a year. Let's see how it works. And then you go ahead and test the market. So I'm not blaming them for cutting him. I'm just like, it, it seems like there's so much like venom towards him now that he's been cut. It's like, wait a minute. He's been your most consistent player that you have for the past Eight years that's not named Tony Romo, well, at least when Romo was healthy. And so I'm trying to understand why the receiver – and mind you, the one position in football that's completely predicated on someone else. So, yeah, Chris Carter and Randy Moss and T.O. And, and Odell Beckham, and yeah, they're fiery because I need the ball, bro. And if I'm wide open and you're not getting me the ball, I'm going to throw a hissy fit because I don't get wide open that often. And so when I am and you completely overlook me, yeah, I'm pissed off. I, I think that th this was a wise move by Dallas just based on the fact that, one, he's he's got a contract for $16.5 million against the cap this year, and you're looking at a guy that hasn't broken 1,000 yards in three seasons. He in he has seven seasons under his belt. He only has three seasons over 1,000 yards, only three seasons with double-digit touchdowns. He's not a true number one, but he's being paid like a number one. This is a guy – the, the 
biggest reason his numbers probably are down is that Tony Romo isn't out there. This is a guy that needs a very specific style of quarterback play in order to be a successful wide receiver. He can't get that in Dallas, and I'll bet you two-thirds of the league can't give him that either, meaning he needs to be in a very specific place to thrive. Now, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, these guys can go to different teams, and maybe their numbers are going to go down because they're they're – quarterbacks Dak Prescott but they're still going to be thousand yard receivers and that's the difference and then once Dallas realized we're changing the way that we're building our football team it used to be built around Tony Romo and Des Bryant now it's built around the running game Zeke Elliott safe passing plays from Dak Prescott Des Bryant doesn't fit that mold it's time to let him move on I, I don't I don't I think it's easy to say and I know we got a break and I know it's easy to say Antonio Brown and Julio Jones uh they both play with one is playing with the Hall of Fame quarterback. The other one is playing with the guy who just won MVP a couple seasons ago. Guys who sling the ball around. Matt Ryan can hit every blade of grass on the field. Like he's one of the most one of the most accurate quarterbacks you're going to find in the league. As Big Ben is Big Ben, but that's that, just kind of what he does. So that's having, the thing, though. But I'm saying, but have, to have a, a quarterback talent match the, what the receiver is able to do is incredibly helpful. And if you're uh, Des Bryant and you've had Tony Romo, you saw that, man, I can be incredibly successful with him. And then you get Romo gets hurt, and then you get a rookie quarterback in there who doesn't really throw it deep and is more kind of giving it to my running back. It took away from what Des Bryant is able to do. That's all I'm saying. But it's, just the thing, though. Here, here's the thing. If, if Antonio Brown goes from – Ben Roethlisberger to Dak Prescott, his numbers don't go from 15, 1,600 yards a season to 800. They might drop. They might drop to like 1,200. He's still going to get there because he can run all the routes. That's the difference between a Julio Jones and Antonio Brown. Yes. Des Bryant can't run all the routes. Again, Des Bryant that, can run like maybe a third of the route tree. He's a possession receiver. That's, I said that, and I said, again, he is a possession receiver. He is not a route runner. He's not Larry Fitzgerald. He's not going to beat you like that. I mean, are you, are you saying that you don't think he's that bad? Like, I feel no, like, I don't. I, I don't think he's that bad. I, I think feel his, like Des Bryant's past his prime. I, think I, I feel like some of it was Dak Prescott, and I think some of it was Des Bryant's getting old. And receivers a fickle position. You're I, not elite for very long, and he was elite for a couple of years. And since then, injuries and ineffectiveness have also played. Somebody just texted in. We'll take Des in Seattle. Baldwin isn't enough, man. Give Russell Wilson Des Bryant and see all of a sudden what he does. Well, but that's all I'll say. Well. That's yeah, Russell Wilson, Des Bryant. I feel like that's an easy argument to counter my point because the Seahawks have nothing but Doug Baldwin, so Des Bryant, of course, would be helpful. <laughs> I mean, but I, I just but, I don't. But what I'm saying, a capable quarterback like Russell Wilson and somebody that can take over a game with his legs, man, give him a, a, a safety net like Des Bryant. It's a wrap. That's all I'm saying. All right, we got a break coming up next. Hater, love it. This is Sports Sunday and the Fan. Here's Jesse with Sports Center. <laughs> For sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I won this last week. This is Hater Love It, by the way, if it's first time listening. Competition between the two of us. Jesse asks us questions and awards us points, and the winner gets to host the last segment. I won last week, so Rashad will get to go first. And Jesse, you go ahead and get us started. All right. All right. Oh, man, you know, I love pushing your guys' buttons sometimes. We can tell. <laughs> Yeah, we can tell. Were you I'm, pushing the button? Uh, I'm a, I felt I'm like a you button. were just 
offering an argument. I well, that is kind of one of my ways of pushing buttons. I love being argumentative. <laughs> um, that I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, just in case y'all know, uh, want to know what we were arguing about, I was uh, giving them the is Des or Demarius Thomas. The better wide receiver. Both came out the same year, both the same age, both wear the same number. And both had Hall of Fame quarterbacks, probably, throwing them the ball. Neither one of them in the Hall of Fame yet. But I think Tony Romo should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he'll probably make it. Yeah, he'll go. The, the yeah. Romo was good. The football Hall of Fame is weird when, anyway. He'll probably go. When you go and look at what his personal accolades were. He was good, man. Like, Romo was good. If it he weren't was. for health, man, he'd be, he'd be one of the greatest. He was. He's like one of those guys that I know he never got a ring and he never even really sniffed one. But he... He's a Hall of Famer, if you ask me. Um, so moving on to love it or hate it, we're actually going to do some NBA today. Hey, normally um, it's all NFL. But we are going to start off with the NFL because that's what we're, we'll segue into that. Okay. It actually has to do with kind of what we were talking about in the very last segment, and that is Des Bryant. Now, he is on the market, a late free agent addition after uh, free agency is basically over. So all the teams have already spent their money for the most part. Uh, but there are probably a few good landing spots out there. And the one I keep hearing is New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans. Um, but the one I think might be the best fit. And I really, I've heard it a couple times, but I don't hear it very much. And that is love or hate. The best fit for Des Bryant would be the Green Bay Packers. Mm. Wow. Um, wow. I would love that. Um, is Jordy Nelson still there? He's gone. Yeah, Jordy Nelson is gone, so they're they're looking for uh, uh, an, an upgrade. Um, I think having a guy like, well, I don't want to say an upgrade, but uh, uh, looking for someone to fill that void because Jordy Nelson's a very, very good OI receiver. I think Aaron Rodgers is at that point to where, much like the New England Patriots are doing with Brady, they're starting to put more and more talent around him to make sure he doesn't have to work as hard. If Aaron Rodgers has kind of carried that offense, and you know if he's there, you at least got a shot, even when every receiver was hurt. Every running back was out. They had to convert a running back to the uh, or a wide receiver to the running back position just to be able to stay afloat. The defense wasn't there. The only person you knew that you could depend on in that locker room was Aaron Rodgers. I think giving him a weapon like Dez Bryant would be great. And I think for Dez, man, he's got a lot to prove. You got a lot of people like the two of you guys that are saying that, man, I think his time is over. He's reached his prime. He's a little bit past his prime. I think this would be a great lease on life for Dez because he'd get a chance to play with not arguably the best quarterback in the league, but yes, for sure, the best quarterback in the league and Aaron Rodgers to be able to put that ball wherever he wants to. So I would absolutely love Des Bryant going to the Packers. I didn't know that New Orleans was the uh, the place that he is most tied to at the moment, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and, and love it too, Jesse. I, I like that a lot. He, You mentioned it last segment. You said there's only like a certain small percentage of quarterbacks who could work with Des Bryant in the possession-based receiver role. Rashad is right. And a guy who doesn't get much separation. Mr. Back shoulder throw himself, Aaron Rodgers, would be perfect Bingo. for Des Bryant. Because guess who doesn't need separation for that throw? Aaron Rodgers. And he does it perfectly. Losing Jordy Nelson is big, but he's been playing without Jordy Nelson for two years, essentially, because of injuries. But looking at the, the Packers, I don't really love their offensive weapons um, at all. Their running back position is a gigantic question mark. Their receiver position is a slot guy trying to play the two in Randall Cobb, a really inconsistent guy who could be really good but doesn't hasn't proven it yet in Devontae Adams. Mm -hmm. And they went and signed Jimmy Graham, which I think will work in the offense in uh, 
in Green Bay, but also, again, not the best tight end recently with his uh, injuries and blocking problems. I think Des Bryant just gives an option. He might not be elite there in Green Bay, but it gives Aaron Rodgers an option to throw to that would be much better than the current situation they have. Now, I also think New Orleans would be a good situation because their number one, Michael Thomas, is a guy who doesn't necessarily fit the possession role. He's fast, and he can get separation, and he can cut inside, but he's not the big body guy who just catches everything, and I think Des Bryant could fit that role well there as well. I think the only reason I don't like the New Orleans match is because I think they're, and just the way that Drew Brees is, he spreads the ball around so much. Mm-hmm. I could see Des getting every- frustrated there. And then and, with a guy like Kamara, and you, you're yep. expecting him to do much better in that running game that they have. Have well, I think a full season his, of Willie Sneed healthy. That would be his best bet to win, though. It would be. Yeah, to, to win, I think that's a great fit. But a guy, like, let's face it, wide receivers are divas. Uh, one of the, uh, In this generation of wide receivers, Des has been one of those divas. I don't see that working out for him in New Orleans. But I could be wrong. I think the perfect fit just because I could see him doing that same role that Jordy did let just kind of run downfield let Rodgers build a, like buy a little time and then launch it to him just I, I could see some big plays happening there all right moving on NBA uh this one I've had on the back burner for a couple weeks I actually I'm gonna be honest I gave a sneak peek to Rashad this is one of the very few times I've a- ever Give a sneak peek. It just came up in uh, conversation. So I don't even know if he he even really remembers. But um, <laughs> shows how much he's listening. Yeah, yeah. I don't even sure. know if he remembers. But the, the basically what it comes to, and this probably isn't the best week to do it either, but I'm going to do it anyways. This is a Damian Lillard question. We Coming towards the end of the season, Damian Lillard was actually a hot um dark horse for the MVP conversation in the NBA. You're talking about a guy that was in that five, six players that were being mentioned for the MVP conversation. You're talking about a guy that should have been the MVP in the NBA All-Star game. And you're talking about a guy that has made the All-Star team, what, three or four consecutive years now? Um, Granted, making it as an alternate, kind of being snubbed in that direction. Love or hate, we are beyond it, it. this is more of a projecting next year. If if Damian Lillard has even a, re- a a year that resembles this year, we are beyond the is Damian Lillard an all-star conversation and we should be in the is Damian Lillard an all-NBA player conversation. Uh, love, I think we're past that conversation now. Um, I think we had it here in Portland because we were saying as asinine that he wouldn't even, he would be considered someone who would be an alternate because I think we've seen how good he is, how much he's matured as a player over the past few years. And so you know that Damian Lillard will make the team. Here's the cold part, though. There's so many guards in the Western Conference. And ever since they changed it as far as point guard, shooting guard to front court, back court, now you're talking about Clay, uh, Steph, um, uh, Chris Paul, who's who played unbelievable. A lot of people were saying he was snubbed after after averaging 19 points and nine assists on the season. James Harden is going to win the MVP. Westbrook. You know, all these guys competing for the same spots at the All-Star game. So if there's any, like... I guess uh, confusion around that. It's because, man, there's a lot of the West is so deep with with great 
uh, backcourt play that you know you just you just never really know. Like Dame is having a special year this year, averaging damn near 27, seven and seven. You know that's pretty much the what LeBron averaged when he won the MVP any one of the times he won. So I think we're beyond the point of him being an All Star, being named an All Star. We're looking at Dame at this point to be in that top five conversation as far as MVP and top five, top ten conversation as far as best in the league. And I think he's crept into that. Uh, I love it, and I think we're already past it as well. Uh, maybe this is why it's a three-week-old question because I feel like we've we've hit this point. He is going to be first-team All NBA this year in the West. He's going, or he's going to be. It's I've looked at multiple pundits who have put out their things. He's first-team All NBA in every single one of them, ahead of uh, Westbrook. Westbrook, ahead of Curry. It's him and Harden, first-team All NBA. So we're past that point. I, I asked this question a month or two ago to primetime. I said, "Do you think Damian Lillard has gone that next level, or do you think this is just a hot stretch?" I was truly believing he had already gone the next level, and they were like, oh, we'll wait and see. He's gone the next level. Damian Lillard is a better leader. He's a better driver. He's a better shooter. He's a better decision maker. He's a better passer. He has upped his game so much this year. Oh, and defender. Don't forget that. He's actually trying on defense now, and it's been mostly effective. Uh, he is better. I mean, he is. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, he has upped his game so much this year to a level that I think he should be considered in maybe not MVP every year, but on a most years basis, if he continues to play at this level, which I think he will, he should be considered in the NBA M MVP conversation every year. He will continue to get the respect. Not sure if you've noticed, but throughout the last couple of weeks, month or so, the Lillard train on national TV has finally picked up. Oh, yeah. He is now being talked about in the same way that Anthony Davis, for example, has talked about. And uh, that is proof enough that I think he's taken the game to a level that he will now get that respect. Yeah, so for all you fans saying that nobody pays attention to the Blazers, nobody, stop it. People are definitely paying, paying attention to the Blazers. They're definitely watching Damian Lillard. They know who he is and what he does. So let's stop with the nobody pays attention to our team stuff. Remember when some people thought they'd want to trade Lillard more than CJ before yeah. the season? Yeah. You think they still think that? Uh, probably not. Probably not. We did see. I did see a trade CJ text though um, here a little bit ago. So, so do you guys want to stay in Portland or uh, do you want a Philly 76er question? What's 76er it? Absolutely. All I right. didn't get a, I didn't we'll talk a about them anyway. To talk about the other series because we spent so much on the Blazers. So let's go a little bit there. Yeah, uh, 76ers had a what a 27 point win over the Heat yesterday. Um, kind of making an announcement that the process finally worked for them, um, and they. Are currently the hottest team in the NBA. What they, they 16 straight now, including the regular season. Like they are hot. It did not slow down entering the the playoffs. With that said, love or hate, the 76ers will make the Eastern Conference Finals. Love, love. Um, number one, uh, the NBA has a problem in Ben Simmons. That's number one. Here's a kid and basically his rookie year still, because even though he did sit out all of his freshman year, all of his you know, rookie year, this is his rookie year. Man, this kid only came out last night in his first playoff game and put up 17 points, 14 assists, nine rebounds, almost had a triple-double. You're talking about a six-foot-10 point guard. The only, we haven't seen anything like him since Magic Johnson, the ability to come down the floor, and he's looking for everyone. He made passes yesterday that didn't even – he wasn't – they were all no-look passes. Like, you, you never know where the ball's going because he's not looking down any one of his uh, any one of his guys. He's making sure that they get open and then makes a move. And then they're going to add Embiid in about two games. He's not going to play this next game because he just cleared the concussion, concussion protocol, excuse me, but he will play uh, probably around game three. You look at guys like Yarich, Sarge, 
and uh, uh, guys like uh, Robert Covington and what they're able to do. Man, this team is scary. They've got everything from rebounding. They've got perimeter scoring. Markel Fultz all of a sudden looks like somebody that can really help a team win. Uh, he only had five points yesterday, but he had four assists, and he had a couple buckets there that made it look like he's going to be a, a big big factor for the 76ers team. I think they're well coached. I think they've got everything that they need to run through the Eastern Conference, so I absolutely love them getting there. Uh, I love it as well because they're also in the spot on the bracket where they'd have to play the Celtics, which uh, are very injured. And I know the Celtics are very good, but um, I love that they're going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't really watch the East that much, and seeing Ben Simmons for maybe like a third time this year was eye-opening to me last night uh, or yesterday afternoon. He is something special, man. He's LeBron light. Looks so easy. He's he's got the same kind of body, just younger as than LeBron. He's got the same kind of game. He dominates the ball, but he's such a good passer. He he hits his shots. He gets inside well. He rebounds really well. He's going to be really, really stinking good for years to come. But you're right. The rest of that team is dirty. The Heat were close in that game. They were. That was a close game in the fourth quarter. And oh yeah, then the Sixers scored forty in the fourth, and they won by twenty-seven. When Jesse said twenty-seven, I went, huh? Because I turned it off to watch the beginning of the Blazer game, and it was still like a four-point game, and all of a sudden they blew it out. And don't forget about Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is coming back from his uh, his injury, his facial injury, his concussion in a game or two. He's a big impact player. Sarge can hit threes and play inside. You mentioned Markel Fultz. How about Ursan Ilyasova and Marco Bellinelli? Absolutely. The two of them are huge impact players. And J.J. Redick was 8 for 13 yesterday and hit four of his six threes. 28 points for 28 Redick. points for J.J. Redick. The Sixers are nasty, and they're on a 17-game winning streak. Yes, they're making the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, all right. Uh, we have a problem here. Y'all tied. Oh. Take a number between <laughs> 1 and 10. Uh, all right. Um, I'm going to give you guys 30 seconds. We're going back to Portland. Okay. Uh, we had a lot of CJ trade talk there towards the trade deadline. What uh, Should they? Should they not? Um, Blazers made him untradeable. Love or hate? CJ's trade stock has reached its peak and is now on the decline. Blazers made a mistake not trading CJ. Love. Um, this is as, this is as good as CJ is going to get. We know that. I think every Blazer fan here understands this is the, this is the player he is. Um, don't expect any more, any less from him. He's going to be a scorer. He's not going to give you many rebounds, not going to give you many points. So uh, if, if a team can live and die with a guy with an undersized, undersized two-guard coming in and shooting a bunch of shots, a la Isaiah Thomas, then I think they'll be good. If they wanted to make a move, they should have made a move this year. They would have, they would have been able to at least get uh, a two-guard that was of size and be able to make some stuff happen. So they didn't. So now CJ's the guy you're rocking with, but if you're a Blazer fan, I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, I hate it because I still think CJ's improving as a player. He's only been in the league for five years before those playing. Remember, he hurt his foot in the first season he didn't play. Uh, he's, he's an improving shooter. He's an improving offensive player. He's gotten better on defense this year. Yes, he does need to do a little bit more, but he also is a two-guard, which means he doesn't need to do as much as a point guard in this offense. I think that this can work. I think uh, it's been proven to me this year that these two guards together can work if you get the right pieces around them. Uh, and I think that his trade value will go up if you still want to trade him in the next couple of years because I still think he is your best trade piece. Um, but I think the value has plenty of time to grow. Um, and I think that they have not missed their opportunity because who would they have traded for this year anyway that would have made much of a difference? So I say hate. All right. Um, really what what uh, the two things that got the win for Mike. Woo! Damn it. <clears throat> um, were really he's only been 
playing for four years because you got hurt that first year, and uh, the trade value can go up. Four years is a long time. Still so young. Four years is a long time. Though. All right, we got to go. Uh, we'll figure it out. We're going to have a really short last segment, but uh, that's next year on the fan. Sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hi, bye. Have a good one, guys. No, just quickly. (laughs) We do have a break. Uh, We do have to break. We went way too long. Coming up on The Fan today, noon, Pacers-Cavs game one, four o'clock, Rangers-Astros, Sunday Night Baseball. If it's not rained out, there's six rainouts today in baseball. It's crazy. There's been 21 rainouts in April so far, which is the second most since 2000, and it's only April 15th. So, probably some more coming. <sighs> Two or three. Maybe. Yankees doubleheader today completely rained out. Great. Lovely. Okay, that's all. Uh, listen to those today on the fan. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much for listening and texting. We really appreciate it. Got a lot of great texts today on the fan text line at 55305. Follow us on Twitter at 1080 The Fan, at Mike Lynch27, at TaylorMade503, at Jesse Osman, A S Z M A N. We'll be back next week. Hopefully the Blazers will be up 3-1 to one in the series <laughs> as they uh, they will be playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I believe, are the next three games uh, in the series. So go Blazers in game two. Get the series back tied to one and see if they make the adjustments you need. And uh, we'll have a much better week next week moving forward. Have a good uh, rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you next week. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.